Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of MLS Now Podcast. We are back, well I am back should I say, with another episode, this time focusing on individual teams like we did last summer. And back with me, it's been a while, it's been a couple of months, it's a great guy. I love talking to him about uh, FC Cincinnati. That's who we're focusing on. I'm talking about Travis Grimes. Travis, thank you so much for joining me. Anytime, man. Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Also joining me, our new correspondent for FC Cincinnati. Really excited to have him on. Rob, thank you so much for making time. Welcome to the podcast. I know it's your first time, but you've been writing articles, and we're super excited to have you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me, and... Thanks for letting me join your team. Uh, excited to have you on. Now, let's get right into it, guys. I know we don't like to talk about the past a lot when it comes to um, me, for example, for DC United recently, and you guys for FC Cincinnati. Travis, uh, I'll start off with you. Um, let's be honest here. FC Cincinnati, the last two years have struggled. First year, worst in the league, 44 goal differential um, in 2019. 2020, 12 goals only um, scored. That's the lowest. Four, four wins, 15 losses, four ties. 16 points in the MLS East Conference. To wrap it up last year, how, how did it feel as a fan watching yeah. watching it go down? A punch in the gut, right? Um, you get these pieces like Lacadia, especially um, Sim De Jong, who he flourished with at PSV. You think, well, they, you know, Yops Tom's going to fix the defense just because he's so smart. And, of course, he's one of the better defenders to ever live. And you know what? The offense will be just fine. You know, I don't think anybody ever really thought that that FC Cincinnati was going to go into 2020 and be maybe more than a lower playoff seed. But you could definitely see on paper the growth um, possibilities. And then we get into the season and, you know, their expected goals were much higher uh, than 12 percentage wise, but they just couldn't finish. Um, Yapstam catches a lot of flack for maybe you know, tactical inability and, and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, in his defense, I mean, he, his tactics got players in good positions to score. They just couldn't hit sitters. Uh, Lacadia missed four or five, um, you know, Sim De Jong missed a couple. They, they couldn't hit penalties. It just, it all snowballed. Um, and just really just a disappointing year. Um, I know that's pretty easy to say, obviously back to back, you know, wooden spoon winners, but, but I think even more than that, it just became unwatchable uh, at, at some point, you know, when you're when you're struggling the way that they did, it's just unwatchable. And, and I, I've kind of preached this all off season. Give me a watchable product. Um, I, I know this is not going to be turned around in one off season. Can they become competitive in a low seed playoff team? Sure. With the right pieces. I, I think Brenner adds to that. Moderita adds to that. There, there are a couple pieces away, which I think are close to, to being done. But Give me a watchable product. If you can give me a watchable product, I, I can get behind it. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, we don't see an unprecedented third straight wooden spoon. Now, Rob, when you look at the roster from last year, from my point of view, I was looking at the stats, looking at the roster. Uh, Brandon Vasquez was was a, a glimpse of hope, I guess you can say. He performed pretty good. Eight starts, two goals, two assists. Chance here for Vasquez across, and he gives it off to Alan Cruz, who picks up right where he left off. And FC Cincinnati in the second half opens their account for 2020 and cuts it up. Um, what other player comes to mind from from last season that you thought, you know what, I, I don't mind what he's doing. He's he's out there trying. He's out there probably being our best player, one of our best players in, in the field. Well, it's. Uh... I'm going to bring up somebody that will probably cause Travis and I to get pretty frustrated right now, but uh, i got to say Frankie Amaya. 
Um, I think especially in Cincinnati, we appreciate hard workers, uh, guys that just go out there and just give it their all. And Frankie was that guy for us last year. You got to make sure you don't open up Amaya. Oh, Frankie Amaya with a bolt from the blue. The teenage Tyro. The first pick in the 2019 Super Draft took a swing with his left and has landed a potentially knockout blow square on the jaw of Atlanta. A starter most of the year when he went out there, he was always, you know, he was like a, an annoying pest for the other team, just always on him, uh, throwing elbows, getting yellow cards. And the fans just ate that up. We just loved that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about what Frankie's got going on right now, but, uh, yeah, but I, I would say Frankie, Frankie was the guy last year and so much talent. He's so young, you know, a lot to look forward to. Hopefully. Definitely. Now, Travis, let's go back a little bit to, uh, Lucadia. Mm -hmm. I think, I think you heard our episode before with Gavin and Gavin and I are pretty harsh on him yep. just be just because, I mean, we called him a bust here just because we feel like you mentioned he missed a lot of sitter, uh, sitters. I understand he didn't get much playing time, right? But and and I've heard that um, I'm not sure if to call that an excuse, but that of he doesn't have any providers. And my example has always been uh, the Whitecaps that they don't have providers either, right? For the Whitecaps, but he still managed yeah. to score more than um, Lokaira. What do you think went wrong with it? Was it that he didn't have providers, or the sitters that he missed, or? Was it the whole atmosphere around COVID or the style of the coach? How do you sum, sum up that season for him? Yeah, good decision. You know, FC Cincinnati worked so hard. Grip ball. Cruz has Locadia on the run. Gets a touch in the 18. Locadia catches the post. He had Hamid beat and caught the woodwork. Jow keeps the run alive. So I think it was the perfect storm of negative things that could happen to a striker. Um, Lakadia is not the self-creating type of striker. He's never been that. Um, he's always needed a, a really good 10 behind him um, to provide him that service. And then when he gets in dangerous spots, he, he can make a, an opposing team pay. You know, his best years were at PSV when he had uh, Sim De Jong and Gaston Pereiro providing him from the 10 spot. With Lacadia, after the lockdown, coming into MLS's back, he was not healthy. Uh, he was not healthy from the time MLS's back started until the end of the year. He looked really good before the lockdown against the Red Bulls, came in off the bench, scored a goal. Um, he looked good in spurts in MLS's back. And then, of course, when he really got started, he pulls his hammy, uh, was out for a decent amount of time. And Lacadia is the type that puts a lot of pressure on himself. Uh, he expects more of himself. He worked really, really hard. It's one thing they, that nobody can say about Lakadia. He worked really hard in training. His work rate was good in matches. It's not like he was uh, Fernando Adi out there, where he's kind of lollygagging, being a little bit lazy, um, you know, a little bit frustrated. Now, Lakadia showed some frustration, but it was more looking at himself, maybe not at others. It was just a perfect storm. I mean, you miss a couple sitters as a striker, your confidence, you know, plummets. Then you're you're injured. You're not really ever 100% fit. You don't have the number 10 behind you. And really, I think what really caused this club to go get Brenner was not the lack of play from Lacadia. It's at the end of the year, they put him out at left wing, 
And all of a sudden, he looked a lot better. He was taking the ball at his feet, running at defenders, becoming dangerous, and you could see his quality. So I think you're going to see a front three this year of, of Lacadia, Brenner, and then either Barial or Kubo up top. And I think we'll really see a difference there. I think Lacadia on the left wing is going to be a completely different player. And one thing I will note about Lacadia, he's the best. He's at his best when he is not the focal point of the offense. You know, he was a bit overshadowed at PSV at first till he got really in rhythm. And then, you know, he gets sold uh, to Brighton, you know, for their record fee. I mean, this is no slouch of a player. So when he's not the focal point, he succeeds at a high level. So I think with Brenner, you know, another winger like Barial or Kubo and a, a really good 10, we could see a breakout year from Lacadia. Now you have Lacadia, uh, Rob, and you also have Dijon, as Travis has mentioned him um, before. What what happened with Dijon? What went wrong with Dijon? What is your take as a fan seeing what, what went down with Dijon last season? Uh, I don't know, honestly. Um, I was going to say his age and just his, his you know, inability to uh, – you know, it just the legs being gone, um, but he he just scored. Uh, he's uh, back in the Eredivisie, and he's uh, he seems to be doing well over there again. Um, I don't I don't know if it was just you know he's in a new place. You know he's he's been in Europe forever, um, and he just comes over here, and it's it's different, you know. And you got different teammates, and they're probably not on the same level as especially last year that he's used to. Um, and I think honestly, um, you know, he, he made some nice passes at times to set up Lacadia for those sitters and they just didn't happen. So I, you know, I don't blame him a whole lot for his struggles last year. I think he's still, I, I mean, he's showing now he's still got talent. Do, do you think it was, out. do you think maybe it was commitment or it was just the system or it was, you know, the whole new a new environment to him, leaving Europe, coming to the MLS, being inside of a bubble at times. Uh, do you think yeah. it, it maybe had to do with all of that? Definitely. I mean, what a strange year it was last year. And you question his commitment because he's he's an Ajax guy, you know, and he's used to playing on these, you know, these these upper echelon teams. So he comes to, you know, the wooden spoon holders at MLS, you know. <laughs> And it's kind of like, oh, geez, you know, and uh, yeah, I think it I think it was a combination of all of that. I think it was probably the people around him, just bad, dumb luck at sometimes. And then just the strangeness of our season we had last year coming into a new league and then having that on top of it, you know. Tra Travis, do you agree with that or do you think it might, it might have been? I mean, in my opinion, I got from from an outsider's point of view, I, I think it was commitment. Um. I hate to question a player's commitment. Um, obviously, I, I have a little bit of insight into the dressing room uh, because of some relationships I had built. I had a little bit of insight into the coaching staff and, of course, rumors and all that. I, I think it's a multitude of things. I, I think it's the system and then Sim Deong not exactly being comfortable with his role. Sim Deong is an out-and-out -out 10. He's an old-school 10. Uh, he's uh, he's almost in the mold of, like, the Mesodozils of the world where, you know, that, that type of 10 doesn't really exist anymore, where it's pretty much you're just an attacking midfielder, and that's all you do. Um, I know that he and an assistant coach did not see eye-to-eye -eye on his role in some matches. Uh, for instance, they were going over some film, and, and uh, 
you know, they had a disagreement over where De Jong was on the pitch. They were down 2-0. De Jong was not really defending. He was trying to, you know, be an outlet. And they, the assistant coach got on him and he said, listen, we're down two goals. I'm not trying to defend. I'm trying to get us a, you know, a goal to get us back in this match and try to, you know, get a point out of this. And if you look, you know, the low block system, they had pretty much all their midfielders back on defense. That's not what Sim Dion wants to do. It's not what he's good at. He's not what he's used to doing. So you couple that with a new environment, COVID times, MLS is back, the bubble, all of that. I think it just rolled into one. And uh, I mean, I don't want to question his commitment. Yeah, but I certainly think that by the end of the year he was ready. Yeah, yes, it could be. Yeah, it was a lot to take in, especially being new to that league, to the league in general. Yeah, yeah. last season it, it's yeah it was, must have been aggravated and at times stressful. Now, uh, going back to another DP that you mentioned, uh, Travis Kubo. Kubo. We all know Kubo is versatile. We all know he's talented. We all know he he has something in him. We're just waiting to see him explode. What as a fan, and I'll get your your uh, view and then uh, Rob's view. What do you want to see out of Kubo this year? Now that he's, I believe, his second year, uh, he has a full off season with the coach, a full off season with the team. He has uh, great strikers now with him. What is it that you want to see out of him? Well, uh, this may shock you. I am not a big a fan of Kubo as a lot of people are. Okay, um, that is a shock. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that I don't think he's a good player. I don't think he fits here. Uh, Kubo is a second striker at nature. Um, he is not your normal winger. He is not a midfielder. He's not a nine. He's a second striker in a 4-4-2, um, a 4-5-1 where the fifth midfielder plays close to the, the nine's hip. I think he's got talent. I, I think he can. He is versatile in some spots. I think they tried that Kubo at the 10 experiment last year, and it failed miserably. He's not great in tight spots. He's not great um, around a bunch of defenders in the midfield. As he showed, I mean, the guy would be on the ball for 10 seconds, maybe five, and then get dispossessed immediately. He just and it may be just this thing where maybe he didn't get adjusted to the speed of the league. Maybe he underestimated the physicality. There's a couple of different things that could have happened there. But I I, I think he's a he's a square peg in a round hole. Uh, I think that he doesn't necessarily fit the system. He doesn't not fit 100 percent. You can put him in certain spots, but those spots you could have put him in. Now you have Brenner. I mean, if you're going to run a 4-4-2, you're not putting Kubo up top of Lacadia. You're putting Brenner with Lacadia. So I hope to see Kubo in more space out on the wing. I hope that he can adjust to that role. He's just always played that second striker role, and I think it's just something he's so used to, and it's going to take a while for him to get used to playing winger at the MLS level, even though you know he did play a little bit of winger in his time in Belgium. It just wasn't... You know, you go to transfer market and it says winger, and then you watch the matches and you're like, that's not a winger. That's a second strike. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, hope for the best. I'm not his biggest fan. I think uh, hopefully he's on a TAM deal this year. I think they'll end up doing that. I think they'll buy him down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope for the best, but I just don't see it the fit there. What is your, your take on it, Rob? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Kubo fan. Um, I definitely wanted more. I was expecting wish for more from him last year. I mean, obviously, um, you could tell he's got talent and he's got skill on the ball. He's got a great shot. There was that one shot. I think it was against Atlanta where he kind of knuckled the ball past uh, the keeper. I mean, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, But yeah, I think, again, it was that, you know, with a full off season, with maybe a better, like Travis was saying, a better definition of what his role will be 
with the club. And for God's sakes, if they give us a 10, please give us a 10, you know, just, I think it would help everybody up front. Wingers, obviously Brenner is striker, um, you know, cause he doesn't really create things himself. He just, it's from what we like, what Travis was saying, he's not super great on the ball, not great in tight spaces, but he's got a shot and he's dangerous, you know, around the box. So uh, I'm hopeful. I don't know. I'm glad we're, we'll be buying him down uh, to a TAM deal. Cause you know, he's shown he's really not a DP player in the MLS, unfortunately. Now, uh, Travis, every, the rumors are it, right? You guys are looking for a 10. First, it was the big rumor of PT Martinez that exploded MLS Twitter. Um, and then it was the rumor of Luciano Acosta, ex-DC United player, now in Liga MX with Atlas. But a, a 10 is coming. A, a playmaker's coming. Yes. But there is another DP that you guys have in that midfield, and it's Alan Cruz. And Alan Cruz has had uh, 36 games, 29 starts, 8 goals, 1 assist. I, I understand that you know a 10 is coming either way. But Alan Cruz still is going to have to step up his game big time. Yeah. I mean, Alan was signed in 2019, and, and his nick, nickname was uh, Tico Conte. Um, you know, he's a box-to-box midfielder. He he scored a lot in 2019. Actually, we talked about this on the podcast uh, today, on our podcast. He's more of, of almost like a poaching midfielder. Um, that's what he was in 2019. He was a late runner in the box. Uh, on free kicks. He was a late runner in the box on through balls and, and on crosses. And, and he kind of poached his goals. Um, unfortunately for Allen, he came in overweight uh, to training this, this past season. He kind of got nicked up in, in training and wasn't really ever fit. And then, you know, his training sessions weren't the best. And then once Yop's time did give him a chance when he was healthy, he didn't really play well. I know Yop is not and, and this is just from what I was told. I, Yab is not maybe the biggest fan of Alan Cruz. And, and and that may just be rumor. It may be fact. Who knows? But if they do sign a 10, he's going to have to beat out Frankie Amaya now. And that's if Frankie is still here. And that's if Alan Cruz is still here. Um, You know, Lucho Acosta, according to The Athletic, looks like it's going to happen. They're going to have to trade for his rights from D.C. United. They don't have a ton of gam to just willy-nilly throw away for somebody's rights because they still... You know, Gerard Nightcamp still wants to add a winger. He still wants to add a center back. And they're going to have to use allocation money for that. If they keep Cruz, they're going to buy him down as well. They're going to open up two DP spots. I mean, they have to because, you know, they signed Brenner. They still have Lacadia. I know Brenner's a young DP, but, you know, that only leaves one spot open. I could foresee them trading Alan Cruz either for some allocation money or just for Lucho's rights and maybe a little bit more coming, you know, our way. Because he does have MLS value. I mean, if your val if if the value for Amaya is over a million dollars in GAM, Cruz is probably worth six to seven hundred thousand um, in GAM or allocation money, maybe an international spot. The nice thing about Cruz, he does have his green card, so that that helps out other clubs. But if he wants to, you know, let's say Frankie gets traded, I, I still don't think it's a it's a open shut case that Cruz would start. I mean, we saw some some Medina and Makocho together in the midfield. We may see it again. Cruz is going to have to prove to Yopstam they can come in in shape, come in committed, train well, and be in form. And if we can see a version of the 2019 Alan Cruz or the Alan Cruz that shows up for the Costa Rica national team, that midfield looks really good with Acosta, Cruz, and, and Kamahilo Mococho. Uh, but yeah, he's going he's gonna to have to really come in motivated, really come in committed, and really work his butt off. Now, Rob, uh, you think there's more pressure on Cruz than there is on Kubo? Rob? 
not sure if Rob's still right. with us. I'm sorry. Can you hear me <laughs> now? There you go. Yeah. I was asking if you sorry. think there's more pressure on, on Cruz than there is on, on Kubo yeah, uh, this so season. I, yeah. No, I think uh, Kubo will have the most pressure on him because I don't know that, like Travis said, I don't know that Alan Cruz is going to be in the picture. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we haven't heard anything really. You know, I mean, Travis would know better than me, but I haven't heard anything about uh, Kubo moving on. Um, but last year, Cruz was in the doghouse. Um, it just seemed like, you know, from what he did in 2019, you thought, well, he's going to be our, you know, he's he's going to be at least a start, you know, a starter getting a lot of playing time. And he just didn't. Um, and he was one of those guys in 2019 that, like I was saying, we got from Frankie was just hardworking, constantly sprinting in the midfield. And, and on top of that, he scored some goals. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't aware that he came in overweight. And I guess that, you know, that makes a lot of sense of why he might've been in the doghouse with the ops down. Um, yeah. So I, I like Alan Cruz if he's dedicated and, you know, in shape and ready to go, I'd love him to be on the team, but, I, I, you know, I wouldn't bet on it right now. Now, Travis, there's something that uh, you guys have talked a bit about on 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 the podcast so far, and that's the Frankie Amaya situation. On a statement, uh, Frankie Amaya's agent said, uh, or you know, quote from Frankie Amaya, I realize that the club doesn't have the same level of commitment to me. Um, I, that he doesn't feel like uh, I don't feel like my goals can be achieved in Cincinnati. Then the team responded with, early this offseason, Frankie expresses frustration with losing. And asked us to trade him. Now there's a little, you know, Frankie gets in the statement left. He's never gonna say I'm frustrated with losing. The team mentioned that it's a little drama going on. What do you make out of all of this? Well, so when before SC Cincinnati drafted Frankie Amaya before the 2019 season, there was a lot of talk between LAFC and FC Cincinnati that LAFC was gonna move up and take Frankie Amaya. Frankie is a California kid. His family still lives there. His girlfriend is there. I mean, that's where he's at right now. And in a quiet moment, Frankie and his family would probably admit that that's where they wanted to be. Um, you know, if you remember, FC Cincinnati called a timeout <laughs> during the draft because LAFC was at the table trying to get, convince them to take the deal. At the end, FC Cincinnati said no. And of course, they ended up with Frankie Amaya. Now, people at the draft have told me that when that happened, you could see Frankie's body language change. Now, he put on the smile like a professional and he handled it well, but um you know, he was dejected. He wanted to be in California. And I, I think where this all stems from, rumor has it that he essentially wants to be a 10 and that Yapstam believes that he does not have that skill set. He, you know, Yapstam was open in the offseason about how he wanted Frankie to work on his defensive abilities and his positioning and, and become an eight or a six, which I agree with Yap there. I think I don't think Amaya's skill set lends him to be a very good 10. He's not the best passer. He's not great in tight spaces. He's not a great distributor. He doesn't manipulate the back four um, with his spacing or his passing. He's a pest. He's always around the ball. He's pacey. Uh, he's quick. He's a good tackler of the ball. He's he's an eight. Um, and maybe, you know, he eventually grows into a six role. But I think it's, an it's a again, a combination of things, which I know I've said before in other situations. But, you know, he'd prefer to be out west. He wants to be a 10. They, the club doesn't believe he's a 10. And. And I think he's trying to flex some leverage that I think his agent has told him he has, but I don't think he actually has. Um, if they were going, I I would have taken the deal personally. 
one of those deals with over a million in, in allocation money in an international spot, I would have taken the deal for, for Frankie because it opens up flexibility. But I'm not so sure that FC Cincinnati is going to do that. They've pretty much committed to keeping him publicly, privately, who knows. But uh, a big part of me expects to see him in orange and blue when the season's. Now, Rob, you can tell that the kid's smart, right? Strong, strong on both sides. He's very aggressive when needed to be. He can control the ball really good at his young age, still learning. Now, as an honest soccer fan, MLS fan, as an honest FC Cincinnati fan, do you feel that he has a future in FC Cincinnati? Um, yes, at least uh, for the time being. Um you know, when those uh, Travis was telling you about those deals for close to a million to uh, to move Frankie on, I was one of those fans that thinks with your heart, you know, we love Frankie and, you know, we can't, I don't care how much, you know, we're keeping Frankie. And then this came out where he's not happy. He's trying to force a trade. I, it hurts as a fan, you know, you feel like you're stabbed in the back. And like Travis said, I don't see where he's got any leverage at all. Um, so I think, you know, I, I don't think th- I think it would be a bad look if the team moved from him. I think Frankie's the kind of guy he's going to try hard uh, no matter what. He's shown that in the past, um, but he's not a 10. If he thinks he's a 10 and he wants to go to an L.A. team like LAFC, and be a 10, are they going to think he's a 10? <laughs> he, has, you know, he, I mean, he has a lot of things to think about. Yeah. If he's not a 10 for FC Cincinnati and last year, we didn't really have a, a real 10. I mean, we had DeYoung, but he was either, you know, he didn't play a whole lot. And when he did, he didn't play a whole lot. So <laughs> if you can't make it as a 10 on FC Cincinnati, you're not going to make it in LA. Now, uh, um yeah, go ahead. Travis and Rob, is this the first opportunity that FC Cincinnati gets to develop a player? And if so, um, would it look bad if they move on? Yeah, I mean, this is their first first real chance. to, And, and they've got their academy up and running, which, I mean, already their academy is like top five in the league. I mean, according to some, some ratings that just came out. Um, yeah, it's their first opportunity to really progress a player, develop a player. You can see they brought in... Uh, Alvaro Barial, you know, for last year from Velez, you know, he may end up being the starting right winger. They're going to try to uh, progress him and then, you know, bringing in Brenner and, and, but yeah, Frankie is, is a homegrown. I mean, he's a GA, he, uh, not a homegrown GA, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is their real first chance. I don't think it's going to look bad if they deal him. Part of me thinks that maybe you hold on to him until his deal runs out and then you try to sell him abroad. But the issue with that is, is you don't know what's going to happen in two years. Does he come up with leg injuries? Does uh, his form regress? You know, in his, unfortunately, he's a diminutive eight. He's small. He's not very thick. I mean, he's he's not the fastest player in the world, so he doesn't really make up for his size with with blazing speed. He's not Weston McKinney. I mean, I, I think FC, some FC Cincinnati supporters just think that, well, let's hold on to him. We'll sign him for $5 million in a couple of years. That's not guaranteed. He could, like I said, he could regress. Injuries, lack of form. You know, the game could change in two years where, you know, people shy away from from smaller box-to-box midfielders and they go to more of uh, Weston McKinney of a physical eight. So 
who knows what will happen. Again, I go back to I think they should have taken the deal. Um, Theoretically, you take that deal, you could have bought down Kubo and Cruz without using any of your current GAM. You also would open up international spot, and your roster flexibility goes through the roof. Now, he's on a GA deal, so there's no hit against the budget, so that hurts a little bit if you trade that away. But I have a hard time holding essentially holding a player hostage if he doesn't want to be somewhere yeah. you just you just try to find a way to deal him i you know i agree with you there and and the last before i let you you take over the last thing i'll say is you know i see a lot of supporters getting on frankie about asking for a trade but they're the same people that if a manager or a coach or a gm were to just up and leave for more money they would not say a thing about it it's no different it, players have just as much power or should have just as much power as ownership or management, if he wants to be somewhere else, try to make it happen. You know, it, it's gonna you're gonna come out good anyway. I mean, you have Cruz; they're close to signing Kyle Scott, who's gonna be probably a backup eight for them. You have options. They they should have taken the deal. Uh, what's your take on it, Rob? Yeah, I, I kind of looking back at it now. Yeah, they should have taken the deal because, especially now, I mean, it seems like with with Frankie coming out and saying. Hey, I want to be moved. I'm not happy here. I don't like what you're doing. You know where you see me going. It seems like that would make a deal of that level harder to to get. I mean, it's obvious he wants out, and the teams, the other teams in the MLS, know that. And you know, the price may have gone down. And you know, he if if he did that, you know, if that's the case, he did that to himself. I, you know, I, I understand if he's not happy, you know, you want to do what's right for the player. And it, I, I'm, I guess that would look good for other players if they say, okay, well, if, you know, they're fair, they'll move me if I'm not happy. But uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I just, I was taken aback by this. I still don't know how to handle it. If you can tell <laughs> by my yeah, he's, waffling. He, he's very loved by the fans. And, and I've always said this on here, FC Cincinnati fans are one of the most, if not the most, active fans on social media. And when the news Definitely. breaks on their club, it's it's mayhem. Everyone's out there expressing their feelings. Look, let's all hope for the best for Frankie, uh, whatever makes him happy and the best for the club, so the results are there as well. Uh, yeah. Moving on to, to the last two topics here. Uh, Travis, this one was a steal, man. Uh, uh, Ronald Matarrita, getting yep. him from New York City FC, We've said it on this podcast. What a steal. 26 years young, 106 appearances with New York City FC. He is that player that you guys need that can go up and can come back. At points last season, it looked like he had 100% stamina throughout the whole game. How excited are you guys to have a player like that? I mean, pumped, right? Like left back last year for FC Cincinnati was one of the clear holes. Uh, they want wingbacks in this system. They want true wingbacks, and they just didn't have it. Like, Andrew Gutman was good going forward to a certain point. His crosses, his last ball left a lot to be desired, and sometimes his one-on-one marking was was pretty bad. Garza was never really healthy, um, so that just is what it is. But now with Moderita, you got a guy who is really dangerous in attack. His crosses are pinpoint. He's great on a through ball. He can cut inside and become a goal-scoring threat, and he's also a good 1v1 defender. Now, he isn't the best at zonal marking. He does struggle sometimes defending an overlapping run, but what outside back doesn't? Um, so it was giant. I mean, I know a lot, some people thought we overpaid, and, and again, uh, I'll go back to the uh, 
to the athletic article on Brenner, there's there's no over there's no such thing as an overpayment. A, a player is worth what a club will pay them or pay for them. Overpayment is just an opinion. It's it's in the eye of the beholder. So really pumped for Ronald Maria. And I think Joe Jow's going to play right back. So we'll have two really pacey, really dangerous offensive wing backs. And if Joe Jow plays right back this year, anything like he did last year, we could have you know a really really good wing back duo. Now, Rob, that defense uh, needed a little shakeup, and, and they did get a little shakeup. And who knows who else they might sign if they sign somebody else uh, for any of the positions. Uh, it should be a, a little more steady now back back in that line. Yeah, well, I think part of what will help them a lot is hopefully if we get a 10, and definitely if it's Acosta, they're just not going to have the constant pressure, at least we hope they don't, that they had the last two years where we don't know how good our defense is because any defense that is constantly under pressure and attacked is going to, it's going to give up goals. So, you know, and, and I love what they've done. They brought uh, Matarita in and just, just the whole build that they're doing. I love that they're bringing in these young, talented guys. Um, You know, if we are not great next year, I'd rather, struggle and have a subpar year with a bunch of talented talented young guys that are getting experience as opposed to you know kind of end of their career guys and yeah you know what i mean at least there's some hope looking forward there okay can i just say as a dc united fan i went to see acosta at rfk stadium i saw them at the audi field i saw them in the playoffs with rooney it's going to suck seeing him in another jersey if he does come. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to really we're suck. We're going to love it. Yeah, we're, we'll be happy with it. Because uh, he was our best player at points, and he was here with us through the bad and the good times with Rooney. And um, look, best to him um, is just going to suck seeing him play with another team. Now, yeah. the story that I left for last is the story that everybody's talking about. You guys know this. I'm talking about Brenner da Silva or Sousa da Silva. Record-breaking. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, guys, was 13 or 14 million. Yeah, 13 million with a chance to be 15 if uh, he reaches incentives. Now, Travis, signings like this are not supposed to happen in the MLS. I understand money like this is supposed to be spent because we've done it before with Atlanta United. But signings like this of young, talented, world-class players outbidding and out, you know, outperforming basically in the negotiations other clubs, big clubs from Europe. It's not supposed to happen in the MLS. And FC Cincinnati, with with making a signing like this, they not only send a message to the league, but in overall, send a message of the league, teams in the league, to other leagues that we're coming for your talent, we're coming for your youth, and we're coming f- for your young players. This is this could be the new wave. Now, I, I know you've probably been asked this a million times, and you've talked about it a lot of times, but this is big, man. How excited are you guys to have Brenner on? São Paulo, no meio campo. Daniel Alves levantou, Arboleda toca de cabeça, a bola fica viajando na área. Vitor Bueno consegue o domínio, traz para a linha de fundo. Cavou na segunda trave, Oliveira dividiu! Gol! Brenner! Pro São Paulo! I mean, pumped, right? Like everything you see in Brenner is what this club needed last year. They needed a poacher. They needed a fox in the box, you know, a a guy who can just finish. And they need somebody who, and this is an underrated talent of Brenner's. He's a great high presser. Uh, When he loses the ball, he's pressing. 
even in the midfield, he'll go back and press to try to get the ball back um, and win back possession. So, you know, that's just, that fits the system perfectly. I mean, it makes sense on so many levels. It makes sense for now because he can be your nine now. And then it makes sense for two years down the road because if he performs, you're likely going to end up doubling your money. You're going to end up selling him to Europe for double what you paid for him. And then that's how you build a winning club in MLS. But yeah, I mean, as soon as the news came out, it was kind of shocking. Like I knew of Brenner. I, I had seen two Sao Paulo matches. I, I, you know, had, had seen a little bit of him. I knew what he brought getting him after what, you know, transpired in, in in December into January where Ajax was reportedly close and, and Real Madrid and Arsenal were keeping tabs on him to get a player like that is, is really shocking. And I mean, you know, I'll, I'll tell all your listeners now, I mean, for those that aren't aware, I mean, FC Cincinnati has one of the richest ownership groups in the league. I mean, they have five billionaires <laughs> who, are, who are part of the ownership group. The money is not going to be a problem. Not at all. You know, no, if, if, if Carl Leonard III and Meg Whitman want to go up against any other owner in this league for a transfer, they're absolutely going to be able to do that. And I'm telling you now, they'll spend more money than anybody else. I mean, they're not done. By far, they're not done. After Acosta, they're not done. Uh, they they just got turned down to uh, by another club to sign a, a Brazilian winger, a young Brazilian winger, uh, Leo Chu. Uh, they were going to spend $4 million on him. Uh, they're loosely tagged to Chao Alexandri. Uh, who's a Brazilian uh, eight and they're going to, you know, the, the rumor is $5 million for him. So, and of course I don't know if they're a hundred percent linked to him. It's just a loose little rumor there, but they're going to spend money. Um, if Lacadia plays well, they're going to trigger that option. And then you've got to think you probably have $20 million worth of, of talent at left wing and, and striker. They're going to keep going. Um, Gerard Nijkamp, the GM is becoming more familiar with MLS mechanisms and how to work the league. And he and Yopstam have a Rolodex full of players, full of clubs they're familiar with. Uh, their network is wide. You know, this could be a ball rolling downhill eventually. They get a Brazilian or two in here, an Argentinian or two, which they already have. And then you got the European connection already. You could see a starting 11 with eight or nine different nationalities. And, and that could be dangerous. I mean, you, you super. get, yeah, super dangerous. And their their willingness to spend money, it's just, you know, I always tell people, it, be thankful that FC Cincinnati has been bad for two years because it's not <laughs> it's not it's not going to last. Um, Carl Linder the third is a notorious uh, sore loser. He does not like to lose. His dad did not like to lose when he owned the Reds, um, which is why his dad always spent more than he probably should have in a small market for a baseball team. But you know, <laughs> Carl's going to spend money. He showed it with the stadium. He's shown it um, giving Gerard Nightcamp pretty much free reign. I mean, he put it to you this way, and it's you now. Stop being so long-winded. He gave Gerard Nightcamp $35 million for just transfer fees for just this window mm. and said, go spend. Wow. So the money is absolutely there. <clears throat> I, I saw a tweet, um, I believe it was for FC Cincy, where it said, um, if FC Cincy ever wins the cup, we'll be the most hate, hated fans <laughs> in the league. And the 100%. first thing that came into my head was, oh, for sure. No, no doubt. <laughs> uh-huh. We might yep. be already. Aren't we already? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. At least think- on Twitter. Uh, look, to, to wrap it up, guys, uh, Rob, your expectations, let's say you sign a 10, you sign a Costa, and your expectations for this season, you could say playoffs, you can say a deep run. What, what what are they? What are you looking for this season after two, let's be honest, two horrible first seasons in the MLS? Yeah, uh, no wooden spoon would help. Um, they, Like Travis was saying, we're splashing the cash, right? We want to open this 
stadium and it's a world-class stadium. It's it going to be fantastic, but we want to open it with a bang. And the ownership has showed us that with the signing of Brenner, um, you know, I was Travis talking about Acosta still possibly happening is making me uh, really excited over here. Cause we haven't heard anything in a while. And I was starting to panic there that maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe we're going to lose out like we did on some, so many of the others. Um, yeah. I don't know that we'll be a playoff team, especially with so many new, uh, even really talented players that we're bringing in, you know, so many new pieces coming in together. I know we get the full off season. Hopefully we get these signings in and they get some, some work together, just, you know, around playoffs would be great. <laughs> I'd be happy trying with to, that. It, trying to see some if, fight in the team. Yeah, if we're in the discussion, you know, if we're not the the, you know, redheaded stepchild of the MLS anymore, that'd be <laughs> wonderful. Travis, your expectations. You say you sign a world-class player, uh, you're looking for a number 10. You got the full season with the with the coach. You got Loc- uh, Locadia back, a healthy Locadia back. You have a new uh, defender. You're splashing the money like you mentioned. You got this great players coming in. What are you looking for this season? Um, if they can get Acosta or someone like that at the 10, if they can get the center back position improved, like Gerard wants to do that before the season starts and they get an upgrade at right wing, which is what they want to do They're Ideally, they'd like to bring Barry all off the bench. I think they're a playoff team. I think they're six or seven, maybe five in the East. The East is a bit weak. Um, you know, you got Columbus and, and the revs are going to be there and, you know, Top three or four is gonna be really strong. After that, it's it's a bunch of who knows. Um, I think it's it's five or six is the ceiling, and and maybe they surprise some people. You got to remember they're they're gonna spend in the summer too. Uh, they'll probably make an addition or two in the summer, maybe some TAM deals because they can get them at uh, discounted rates. But I would go uh, put me at uh, five seed. Five seed. I got. I'd be happy with that. It's it's a lot. Uh, coming for FC Cincinnati. New, the stadium looks great, by the way, guys. The stadium looks world class. So excited to see it. Um, it. It looks fantastic. The money's there. The players are there. The stadium is there. The coach is there. Now it's time to see what happens on the field. Travis, you mentioned you have a podcast. You you keep up a lot with the team and the transfers and all that. Where can the listeners follow you and listen to your podcast? So you can follow me at Come On UFCC on Twitter. Um, our our uh, podcast Twitter page is Zoo House 513. That's Z U H A U S E 513. Our podcast is the You Ain't Lion podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Pod, Google Play, anywhere you can get a podcast, we're on it. Rob, uh, you've been writing a lot of articles lately for the website as well, and MLS Now podcast. Where can they follow you on social media? Uh, well, they can go to your website, they can go to MLS Now podcast and search me up. Uh, Try to put a new article on there. Uh, once a week, at least, hopefully. Um, every time FCC does something interesting. Uh, but on Twitter, I'm at Burkhart underscore Rob. Uh, Burkhart, B-U-R-K-H-A-R-D-T. And I'm on there constantly. I'm <laughs> totally obsessed with FCC talk. So, Man, you guys have taken over offseason. It's exciting to see what's going on. Thank you both for your time and best of luck this season. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. Till next time.